Every day, during this great and terrible pause, Cood Street is spending 10 minutes or so calling up readers and book lovers from all over the world to ask them how they're coping with these strange times and to find out what they're reading and working on. Today, I'm joined joined by exciting debut novelist Micaiah Johnson, whose brand new book, The Space Between Worlds, is out in bookstores everywhere. So, hello, Micaiah. Hey, thank you for having me. It's my great pleasure. How are you? How are you coping with these very strange times? Very strange times. And again, like I think I'm as okay as anybody should be. Again, don't trust anyone who's like functioning really well and like baking all the bread and got their house in order. Like if your dishes are done, I don't want to know you right now. Well, let me, let me ask you, are you, I mean, are you locked in where you are or are you able to get out and do some things at I, least? We are fairly well locked down. Um, I'm in Nashville, Tennessee, which unfortunately mm. is a tourist town and unfortunately still is a tourist town. So people are still coming in. They're still wanting to hit up the bars and like have parties and things. So I'm extra locked down here because I do not trust the spaces around me. Um, thankfully, the university I'm attached to has the university I'm attached to has completely opened up, but my department at least is staying remote. So we are all able to kind of shelter in place for lack of a less apocalyptic sounding term. And we're not being required to, you know, go to campus and risk our, our health in that way. So are you finding that you're able to read, to work, to function in these times? There was certainly like a long lull for me at the beginning of quarantine where I was just so unproductive or I was productive in the wrong ways where it was like, you really need to write this thing. Cool. I just colored a whole coloring book. Um, But finally, I find myself kind of (laughs) thawing back into reading. I mean, honestly, largely with the help of audiobooks as kind of like my way back in. But I am now like back up to reading and like feeling like much more my pre- quarantine self as far as reading goes. Excellent. Well, let me ask you then, uh, what are you reading? And critically, is it any good? (laughs) Well, this is not going to come as a surprise, but um, in preparation to read Harrow the Ninth, I'm rereading Gideon the Ninth, which of course everybody already knows is amazing. So that's like not a shock and not a surprise. But um, I was just, the audiobook that I'm listening to, I always read horror or listen to horror audiobooks. Like that's my thing. It's always some kind of horror. So I've been like going through the Riley, I think it's Sager or Sager, S-A-G-E-R catalog. So literally in Mm -hmm. the last week I've done Home Before Dark, Lock Every Door, The Last Time I Lied, which are such great, like just horror titles anyway, that I just had to, I was like, these titles, they take me back and I love them. And they're, it's been, they've been really great. They're this really great mix of horror, but not anything that feels gratuitous. It's just enough to make you feel like a little scared, but like I live alone. So it's not this kind of like, oh, I'm never going to sleep again type horror. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Don't go reading Thomas Harris. That's just not a good idea. No, no. So you're you're reading the, you know the, uh, the the Harrow book or the, the Gideon books, and you've been yes. listening to horror audio. So actually, I'm really curious because you are a debut novelist and a new new voice. Normally, I might not have touched on exactly this, but I want to. Um, where did you come into the field yourself? Where did you find genre fiction, and what led to the science fiction you're writing now? I um, interest. That's such a good question. Um, I came at it very sideways. Um, I come through the academy. And so originally, like I was 100% literary all the time. 
And that's where like where I like that's a hundred percent where I thought that that was going to be my niche and that's my entry point into the literary world mm -hmm. until I realized that the quote unquote literary figures that I was most drawn to are the ones that are never not genre. So I'm a huge Toni Morrison fan. Everybody knows this, but what is great about her, it's her blood and her ghosts and her like the myths that inhabit her work and how it never is purely real. And likewise, someone like Salman Rushdie and Gabriel Garcia Marquez, like there may be a ghost. Like, so that kind of opened my eyes to the fact that I was yeah. a genre fiction novelist masquerading as a strictly literary novelist. And once I made that realization that like all my true like early loves were like Stephen Brust and all of these, you know, very science fiction fantasy writers. And obviously like I worship at the altar of N.K. Jemisin. And it was just one of those things where admitting to myself what everybody else already recognized was true. Yeah. Um, and then I kind of, once that happened, it was like the floodgates open. I knew exactly what I wanted to write and how I wanted to write it and what my brand of science fiction was going to be. So when did you, you pick up the, 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 the cudgel, if you will, and, and start in on writing your own, well, your own fiction first and then your own genre fiction? Oh, I was the worst. I think I was four the first time I told my family I wanted to be a writer <laughs> and my grandmother had a typewriter and I typed out when I was like five or six, this terrible story about my dogs. Like, I think they were solving a crime. I don't even know. It's embarrassing. Um, but I have a long history of like people always say behind every good book is a couple failed attempts. Like behind, behind Space Between Worlds, there's like several dozen terrible, terrible stories from the time I was very young. Like, <laughs> I can't remember a time I was ever not writing something. And it's almost always just the worst, the worst things you can write. <laughs> <laughs> when did you feel with The Space Between Worlds that this was the, the book you wanted to be working on and that this one might actually come out into the world? Oh, it was certainly, it felt different. Like there's always that time period where you, get to a point in something you're working on where you're just like, this isn't viable. There's not enough of a story here. This isn't, I'm already bored. My God, what is the reader going to think? Um, for <laughs> me, it was, I think it was at that first twist, which I will not name, but the first twist, which I think is in chapter two, I was just like, oh, that's interesting. Like I surprised myself. And then like, as it kept going, I was like, okay, I'm still interested. And then right around, like, I want to say I was like, just past the halfway point, which for me, in my mind, the book is very much split into two halves. And once I got past that first half where I was like, I know what I want this to be now. And I could just see it forming. And I started getting very excited and I just felt like, okay, this is going to be a thing. And whether or not like it ever goes out into the world or it sells, like I could tell that it was going to be something. Let me ask you possibly the single most unfair question anyone can ask a novelist, no, particularly boo. a novelist. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> What's the elevator pitch for the space between worlds? Oh, don't do this to me. Oh, Cool. Jonathan, cool. Um, I've had to do this, and every time I think I'm getting less eloquent talking about the book. I think I was better than at this when it was like on the market. Um, for me, I literally am just like hands in the air. Like this is why I'm a writer who needs an agent because I'm like hands like uh, there's a girl and she dies a lot, but she's still here. But there are other worlds and she's still alive, and that's how she. I don't know. I am the worst, but for me, I guess the elevator pitch is. Um, like in a multiverse where you can only travel to places if you have died, there is a figure, Kara, who has died a lot, which would normally mean bad luck, but it actually makes her very valuable to a company that wants to go to these other worlds and can only go with people who have died a lot. 
But unfortunately, like that success is like bought at a cost of where she comes from as she tries to integrate into this new world. And it's basically, I feel like the novel is a question of what are you willing to give up to get to where you want to go? And how much of that can you sanction under like the guise of ambition and upward mobility if you're cutting off pieces of yourself slash self? So when did you first decide that, that multiverse was the thing for this story? That, that you want to be able to plunge between multiple versions of the same character, or at least their experience and their worlds? Because it seems to be something that feels strangely timely at the moment. Yes, it was kind of this perfect, um, this like kind of perfect storm where I was reading Brian Greene's A Hidden Reality. I got into what is now my epigraph where he says like some version of yourself is reading this along with you. Some version of yourself has already soft, stopped, but some version of yourself is waiting in an alley and is like kind of a bad person. And I do critical race theory and I do like, I do study some like crime habits. So it's like, I know that mm -hmm. for the most part, like those elements of like that version of yourself that's doing something nefarious, like that is a systemic thing. So what could yeah. have happened to have put yourself there? And for him, again, it's like a throwaway line about how different yourselves can be. But for me, it's like, okay, what systemically could have happened to shift like where that other version of yourself is? And we know that it's as simple as, you know, being born in the wrong zip code, being born on the wrong side of a border, like all of these things, whether or not one of your parents died, like whatever, these are all things outside of your control that can make you who you are. And what better way to explore that than a literal like multiverse where you can see the actual versions of yourself and witness the effects of all of those small systemic changes on your outcome. I wanted to ask you as well, I mean, you've got the space between worlds, which has been out for about a month, I think. Yes. So it's a brand new new book, brand new thing. In this strange time, has it, has the experience of having a book come out been anything like you thought it would be? No, and absolutely. The experience has not been anything like I thought it would. And especially given me, who's like wanted to be a writer since I was, you know, like the weest of lads. <laughs> and <laughs> I had this vision of like what my first tour would be like and what my first reading would be like and all of the kind of everything that I thought I would care about is no longer what I care about. Um, it's been completely different. But again, like people have been so generous in reaching out to me. And um, I am have been woefully slow in setting up my website, but people have gone through and found my email through my institutional website and it has been just so great because they've gone there to like reach out to me and tell me that they appreciate my work and they've done this stuff and it's just like it's so amazing that people have tried to make it as if there are in-person appearances when in fact I am obviously not able to have that so it's not you don't get like the crowds you don't get but at the same time you don't have the like awkward reading to two people instead it's like like the internet community has really tried to make it feel like a real thing. Well, certainly I have been to bookstore readings for New York Times bestsellers at the beginning of their careers, where I've been the only person in the building. So it is a mixed blessing being able to get out there. <laughs> exactly. If nobody's watching the Zoom call, I don't even know. I never know. <laughs> Ignorance is bliss. <laughs> Okay, well, let me ask you this. The Space Between Worlds is out in the world. It is finding its way forward. It's obviously finding readers, which is a wonderful thing. It's getting great reviews and notices. Let me ask you, I mean, it's it's also unfair, but do you have a feeling for what's next? Um, 
I don't totally, and I wouldn't trust me if I gave you an answer anyway. I bounce back and forth between being really intrigued by this world and wanting to play around with it. And then the other side of me is like, what if we do something completely different? And what if you, I don't know, like write a horror set in like a content contemporary time in our world and I'm always bouncing around so I know that something is coming I just don't know what yet I'm pulled in so many different directions and so many different genres do call to me and so that is that's the it's an unfair question you say but I'm giving you a really unfair kind of cop-out answer (laughs) no no which is anything and everything (laughs) (laughs) look all I can say is I absolutely sort of understand this, the sensation of people coming along when you've just achieved one thing. And just at the moment when you're going, I did it. They go, what are you doing next? And you're going, no, no, I'm still doing this. And <laughs> yeah, it, it must like, sort of feel so like tired. that. I'm, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, look, The Space Between Worlds is out in good bookstores digitally and physically all over the English speaking world. There are audio books and ebooks and all kinds of good things. But for the moment, Micaiah Johnson, thank you so much for uh, spending some time with me today. I genuinely appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. And this is such a great thing to listen to and have in these uh, COVID-y, quarantine-y times. (laughs) Okay, thank you.